0: The Red 78. I just can't believe you're being positive for three weeks in a row. It must have been something I know, that's out of so your mindset.
1: <laughs> I can't believe it myself. I can't believe it. Available
0: every Wednesday. Don't miss a moment of action. Subscribe to the rugby channel on the OTB Sports app and turn on your notifications now. OTB AM. With Gillette, get into
1: your flow with the new Gillette Labs Razor with exfoliating bar. Right, to the latest from the Regency Murder Trial, I'm delighted to say Frank Rainey is with us again. Frank, good morning to you, how are you? I'm good, Jared good morning. Um, we kind of thought that maybe the courts might close down for Christmas, but there's no sign of it just yet.
0: No, at this rate, it's looking like I'm going to be having my Christmas dinner with Jonathan Dowdall and co. Um, they're due to wrap tomorrow and they won't sit beyond that. The judges have already said okay. that, but Jonathan Dowdall's cross examination is ongoing. Um, he's been cross examined now for five days. He took the stand to give his direct evidence yesterday, last Monday week, and he looks nowhere done yet. They got as far as the audio recording, this bugged conversation between Jonathan Dowdall and Jerry Hutch as they drove to and from Northern Ireland about one month after the Regency shooting. They spent a couple of hours going through that yesterday, but there still seems to be a long way to go. So if Brendan Gretton, who is representing Jerry Hutch, doesn't finish, finish his cross-examination by close of business tomorrow, then it is likely to um, go back until the new year. Uh, correct me if
1: I'm wrong, but I don't remember anybody this high profile being on the stand for so long in connection with any of the trials down through the years. We we generally don't get uh, testimony from the horse's mouth of somebody who has been an associate or involved or in any way um, in
0: the past convicted of any of these crimes. We, nobody tends to testify, Right. Yeah, it is unusual. Um, it's it's rare, but it does happen. And I'm reminded of another so-called supergrass witness, a man called Martin Byrne, who was um, head of security for the Mansfield family back in the day. And he gave evidence um, at length at the trial of Jim Mansfield Jr., who was subsequently convicted of a very, very serious offence. Now, Martin Byrne claimed that he had been kidnapped and he gave evidence against Jim Mansfield Jr. at trial and was cross-examined at length. But I think from memory, he spent maybe five days giving evidence. We've already passed that point now with Jonathan Dowdall And as I say, it's likely to go on for another couple of days. So it is quite long.
1: The other thing here is that we also were hearing recordings of Jerry Hutch's voice uh, speaking with Jonathan Dowdle, and then asking for, well, what's your interpretation of this thing that you said? Mm -hmm. Because he seems to have said some pretty bad things here. Yeah, uh, Mr. Dowdall
0: is the t- general tone of the conversation at the moment. Yeah and again we just started really going through the audio recordings with Jonathan Dowdall yesterday. These were played at length um, earlier in the trial 10 hours of this recorded conversation and every second was played for the three judges presiding over this case certain aspects of it were put to Jonathan Dowdall in his direct evidence last week. For example he was asked to put context onto certain parts of the conversation you know one that springs to mind is they were talking about three Yokes and throwing these three yokes up north. And Jonathan Dowda was asked what does that refer to, what are yokes and he said AK-47s he said they were the guns that were used in the Regency Hotel and the prosecution claims that they were going to bring those guns up north um, as a kind of a sweetener in the hope that Jonathan Dowdall's Republican contacts will get involved in an attempt to bring some sort of a ceasefire in relation to the feud with the Hutches. So he was asked about that and a lot of things that have been put to him by the defence under under cross-examination relate to things that he said, you know, he's heard talk About making bombs. Um, He's heard talking about a proposed plan to kidnap the sister of the murder victim, David Byrne, at a dancing competition in Ennis. Um, He's heard suggesting to Jerry Hutch that he do up a list of people to be executed. And all of these things were put to Jonathan Dowdall under cross-examination by his barrister, Brendan Grehan. And at one point, Jonathan Dowdall said, look, I didn't mean any of those things that I I was saying. None of those things happened. I don't know how to make bombs. That woman wasn't kidnapped. There was never a list presented to me of people to be executed. He said it was just bravado. He was trying to impress Jerry Hutch. You know, he was talking nonsense. Crap talk is, is how he put it. And he did seem to get a little bit frustrated at one point and he um, lost his patience with the line of questioning and, you know, he said, Mr. Grehan, you're trying to paint me in a certain light. You're putting these things to me that have nothing to do with the Regency attack simply because you want to paint a certain picture. He also accused him of pursuing lines of questioning that were irrelevant and Ms Justice Tara Burns interjected at this point and she said that it was up to the court to decide what was relevant and what wasn't relevant and if she felt that Mr Gretchen was straying down a road that wasn't relevant to his case then they would intervene but this was and he seemed to accept that and they moved on.
1: Yeah because at, at one point he, he told Grant to move on you did, yeah, and there have been
0: some very testy exchanges. Can you uh, just do that? Is that is that how it works in court? No, just, and uh, yeah. well, well, and, and in fairness to Mr. Grehan, he um, perhaps Jonathan Dowdall doesn't know how it works, and which would be unusual because he has been before the courts um, on occasions in the past. But at one point, Brendan Grant had to point out to him that he was the one that asked the questions and not the other way around. Yeah, so um, like it's it's unbelievably tense. I, I suspect. What's the atmosphere actually like? I think tense is a good way of of putting it and you know, giving evidence—not that I've done it myself—but giving evidence at a criminal trial must be stressful. You know, in general terms, giving evidence under the set of circumstances that Jonathan Dowdall finds himself must be incredibly stressful. And he has, on a number of occasions, particularly yesterday, I think, on four occasions, he requested breaks, and he has been offered that opportunity from time to time to take a break. Um, you know, he has now been giving evidence. This is the second week of giving evidence. Today will be day seven, and most of that have been has been spent. Under cross examination, um, Jerry Hutch, I noticed before Jonathan Dowdall came into court to give his evidence on that first day, seemed very relaxed. You know, he was shooting the breeze with his co-accused. There were two other men on charge or on trial, albeit for for lesser charges. But I think the real drama that's playing out in court is between Mr. Grethen and Jonathan Dowdall. As the cross examination continues, there had been very testy exchanges. Brendan Grehan, when he began his cross-examination on Tuesday afternoon, um, from memory didn't even greet Jonathan Dowdall. He just started out with the statement that um, it was his position that he was a liar, that he had told lies to the court. He said there were two big lies at the heart of his testimony that of this alleged meeting that uh, Jonathan Dowdall said that he had with Jerry Hutch in a park in Whitehall just a few days after the Regency Hotel shooting. The prosecution is relying on that because Jonathan Dowdall gave evidence last week to say that Jerry Hutch confessed his direct involvement in the murder of David Byrne. He claims that Jerry Hutch told him that he was one of two men who shot him? And he also claims that he met Jerry Hutch the night before that he and his father picked up a key card from the Regency Hotel. That Jerry Hutch was the one that collected it on Richmond Road, and that this hotel room we now know was used by one of the gunmen at the Regency at, at the Regency Hotel. Jerry Hutch has denied all of those allegations. They're very, very serious allegations to make against him. And particularly in relation to that alleged confession, most of the time yesterday morning was spent cross examining about that. Because what I wondered and what Brendan Grehan asked the witness yesterday was you know, you have a situation where Jerry Hutch is alleged to have confessed his direct involvement in a very direct way with Jonathan Dowdall just days after the Regency shooting. But then one month later, you know, when a conversation between them is recorded as they drive to and from Northern Ireland, that was a 10-hour drive, 10 hours recorded conversation that was played, and not once does he mention anything about being that directly involved involved in what happened and that was pushed to Jonathan Dowdall yesterday you know Brendan Grehan wondered the same thing that I wondered you know 10 hours of, of a conversation and he doesn't say anything yet he's spilling his guts to you just a few weeks later in a, earlier in a park in Whitehall in Dublin and Jonathan Dowdall said you know he said look he, I didn't ask him I wasn't going to ask him those questions he didn't bring it up he did accept that he never used those words when talking about what happened at the Regency Hotel again after that alleged meeting in the park and Brendan Grant went further. He also questioned why Jerry Hutch would have requested a meeting in a park in the first place, because he would have. And in fairness, Jonathan Dowdall accepted that Jerry Hutch would call to his house on the Navan Road unannounced. Indeed, he did so two days after this alleged meeting in the park. So Jonathan Dowdall is adamant that this meeting took place. Clearly, Jerry Hutch is denying. Uh, the murder charge. He denies that meeting. He denies making that confession. So there was an awful lot of to and fro about that yesterday.
1: That's kind of in the weeds of where the judges are going to have to decide whether or not they think the testimony of uh, this man is credible enough
0: to secure the conviction. It, essentially, the whole thing comes down to these few days. Certainly a huge plank of the prosecution's case is going to be the testimony of Jonathan Dowdall, that confession that I mentioned, this alleged meeting the night before in Richmond Road, where he and his father handed over a key card to the hotel room at the Regency, a hotel room that we now know was used by one of the gunmen. So what Brendan Graham has been doing over the past few days, and again, it will be up to the judges to decide in the facts of the case, to decide in the credibility or reliability or otherwise of Jonathan Dowdall's evidence. But he has been going through his his statements, his interviews with Gardy after he was arrested in relation to the murder himself back in May of 2016. And he is pointing out lies that he told. Now, Jonathan Dowdall... Has reluctantly at times accepted that he told lies to guard thee when he was being interviewed in May 2016, but to justify that he told Jerry or he told Jerry Hutch's barrister Brendan Grehan, that he was concerned for his life, he was concerned for the lives and safety of of his family. He said he couldn't say anything at that time, and he said that he always intended to go to the guards and to tell the truth. And when he said that, Brendan Grehan then asked him why it took him six and a half years to do so and why he only did so after the murder charge against him was dropped earlier this year.
1: Um, the other thing that emerged in all this, and if I've read this correctly, is that um, he, has, you know, he has a conviction for waterboarding. In, in And that all came about because of something that got found when they were looking for information in
0: connection with the Regency. Is that correct? That's correct, yeah. Remarkably... Um, Jonathan Dowdall um, served a lengthy sentence for torturing a man in his home on the Navon Road. This was back in 2015. He tied a man to a chair in his garage. He put on a balaclava. He claimed that he was the head of the IRA. He waterboarded this man and this was all video recorded. That recording was put on a USB stick. Jonathan Dowdall lost that USB stick. His home was raided by Gardi investigating what happened at the Regency Hotel and during the course of that search, lo and behold, they found the USB stick. They must have been just as stunned as Jonathan Dowdall was when they found it and when they discovered what was on it. Jonathan Dowdall went on LiveLine after his um, home was searched. Uh, defending his name, he told Joe Duffy that he wasn't involved in criminality All of this was brought up again under cross-examination because what Brendan Grant was putting to him was that there you are on national radio telling the people of Ireland a lie. Uh, He also claimed that he lied to the Special Criminal Court on a previous occasion And that was in relation to this waterboarding incident, because he was asked specifically who took that video. And he said that he didn't know. And I won't reveal the identity of of who took that video, but it did come up under cross-examination. And the point that Brendan Grehan was making was that you did know, and you told the Special Criminal Court back in 2016 that you didn't. And so uh, was it revealed then, this time, who had taken the video? Is that the? It was in a roundabout way, right. and again, I don't think it'd be fair to reveal that person's identity or to say what was, what was said in court. But the point that Brendan Graham was trying to make, or that he did make, was that uh, Jonathan Dowdall had lied to, albeit a separate or differently constituted special criminal same court, court, but the same principle that he lied in court. Yeah, okay. And uh, the uh, obvious implication is how do we know you're telling the truth now?
1: So, right. I mean, it's an incredible story the whole thing when you when you consider that, that um so he would served that lengthy uh sentence in between the regency murder the investigation into the regency murder and this portion here yeah yes right this this story gets more and more bizarre the the um appearance on liveline by the way it's it's available to listen to it's when you're listening to it it's like this is incredible stuff, really.
0: It, it is. And look, it'll be up for the judges to decide what version of Jonathan Dowdall you have been hearing from for the past few days, because we've heard from different versions um, of Jonathan Dowdall. The, the man speaking with that bravado and talking nonsense, as he says himself, on that recorded conversation between Gerry Hutch as they travelled up to uh, Northern Ireland. The Jonathan Dowdall speaking to the nation on Joe Duffy that he wasn't involved in criminality. The Jonathan Dowdall who spoke to the Gardaí after his own arrest in May of 2016 and recordings of that interview with Gardaí. This was after he was charged with murder. Again, that murder charge has since been dropped but he was being arrested and questioned on suspicion of murder and certain portions of that video were played to the court as well and he did again reluctantly accept that at times he was telling lies um, there was a moment on Friday afternoon or just before the court broke up on Friday afternoon where he spoke about and, and, and you felt that he is, he is he is tired obviously this is a gruelling process for him but he spoke about I suppose the stress on his life and it reached a point where he said that he didn't care if he was killed he said that um, nobody would touch his family he spoke um, last week about the intimidation or the threat level that has increased Since he decided to give evidence against Jerry Hutch, he has made claims of, you know, men with motorbike helmets coming over his wall, letters being put into his post office after he got bail on the murder charge. He has spoken about threats to his family. He says that when he calls his wife from prison, he has met with a barrage of, you know, fresh threats that his family are getting. His sixty-two-year-old mother, he claimed, received a death threat over the phone. She's had to leave the country. His ten year old child, his fourteen-year-old child, he claims they've been getting death threats on Twitter. So he claims that the intimidation against him increased when it was when it emerged that he was going to give evidence, and he said that that's one of the reasons that he didn't tell the truth back in back in May 2016 that he had a real concern for his life and that of his family. Yeah,
1: and so uh, that that is all that's all real, and it's also I mean I guess the other the central plank of the prosecution's um, part here is, is not just that that it's like uh, Jerry Hutch did bring him to the north to bring the three yokes up. Like, he obviously felt like this was important. He obviously felt like, and it's subsequently been proven they were used in this attack. So, you know, uh, w- with every bit of, um, with every bit of the defence trying to uh, lessen the character or the strength of character
0: of the witness, uh, the prosecution, are like, well, you know. Well, again, let's suppose that's a case for the judges to decide whether or not the prosecution has proved that point beyond a reasonable doubt. So they will say that Jonathan Dowdall, at the behest, again, this is an allegation of Jerry Hutch, that he made contact with his Republican links uh, up north with a view to mediating a peace fi- um, a ceasefire. Jonathan Dowdall, and again, this is an allegation, would say that at a previous meeting, Jerry Hutch had offered up the guns as a kind of a sweetener to. To get a deal done, and and also, and this is probably crucial as well that you know the defence has gone to great lengths to go through how Jonathan Dowdall's murder charge was dropped. You know they were asking him about that under cross examination because their claim that they're making is that this was a quid pro quo, that this was a bargain plea that the murder charge was dropped in exchange for him giving this testimony, and that the the judges should be mindful of that when they eventually go out to consider the evidence. Now the prosecution completely deny that, strongly disagree that that was the case. They say that those two things were not linked in any way. They were completely separate. That Jonathan Dowdall has not yet been approved for the witness protection programme that he is being assessed for it. So, again, it's a case being put forward by the prosecution. The thing is, Jerry Hutch didn't have to put forward any sort of defence. He didn't have to cross examine Jonathan Dowdall. He has chosen to do so. But ultimately, it's up to the prosecution to prove its case beyond a reasonable doubt, not for Jerry Hutch to defend it. Those yokes, or AK 47s you mentioned, Frank, like, um, that were supposed to be gifted to the dissident Republicans, like, is it fair to say Jerry Hutch was quite concerned that they, in any future attacks, if they were used by dissident Republicans, that they might be at some point linked back t- back to him? It was something that was suggested through the audio recording that was played of that bugged conversation as they travelled to Northern Ireland on the 7th of March 2016, which was about one month after the shooting. And they were discussing what to do um, with the guns. We heard about Jonathan Dowdall's trip up north before the shooting. And this was... According to Jonathan Dowdall's evidence, at the request of Jerry Hutch's brother Patsy, who claimed that his life was under threat, um, he asked Jonathan Dowdall to intervene. Jonathan Dowdall denied any involvement in criminality, denied being involved with any sort of dissident groups, although he did again reluctantly accept that he knew Pierce McCauley. Pierce McCauley, a former provisional IRA man, who served a lengthy prison sentence for his involvement in the killing of Detective Guard, the Jerry McCabe, back in the 19th 1990s. Um, there was a moment under cross examination where he was asked if he knew any IRA men, and he said no that he didn't. He was asked if he knew any former IRA men, and he said that he did. And that's where Pierce Macaulay entered at uh, the conversation. He was asked if he ever visited him in prison. John Van said that he had maybe two or three times. And there was a very dramatic moment where Brendan Grenn pulled the visitor records from Castlereagh Prison, which showed, and he went through them in forensic detail, which showed that he had actually visited Pierce Macaulay in Castlereagh Prison. 14 times on various dates in 2015 and again in early 2016. But again, Jonathan Dowdall is at pains. He said that he wasn't a close friend of his, that yes, he knew Perce McCauley, but he's at pains to point out, not involved in any criminality, not involved with any criminal organisations, not involved with the Republican movement or with any dissident uh, groups. As you say on the tapes, when Jonathan Dowdall talks about making bombs and his ability to, to make bombs, very much backtracks in, in court and yeah I think he, does, does he talk about the fact that he, he his skills were from watching movies and television yeah, et yeah that 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 was his reasoning when he was pushed on it now Jonathan Dowdall's background is in electrics he was an electrician by trade and he had before all of this he had a very successful electrical company and There is an allegation that he had agreed to make electrical circuits for bombs uh, for the dissidents. Now, Jonathan Dowdell under cross-examination, because this was something that was discussed on this journey up to Northern Ireland. And Jonathan Dowdall, under a cross-examination, did accept that he told the dissidents that he would try, that he wasn't sure if he could do it, but that he would try. But he claimed in his evidence that he had no intention of doing so. And he was asked about a meeting in County Donegal. This was at the home of the man who was caught with the guns um, in the boot of his car, the AK-47s, as he was travelling northward. He was caught near Slane in County Meath. And Jonathan Dowdall was being asked. He was spotted going into this man's house and he was asked what was in his bag he was car- carrying a bag and john of the Dowd all said his tools and he was asked what those tools were for and he said they were to fix this man's tv socket now brendan grehen didn't quite believe that answer he did accept it they did move on but the suspicion is that he was showing them this electrical circus this device that the prosecution or the defense claims that he had made there was a conversation about a demonstration in those audio tapes But again, Jonathan Dowdall repeatedly denied that was the case. He said he didn't know how to make bombs. There was a a detailed conversation in the car about detonators and things like that and blowing up cars, blowing up restaurants. There was a chat about blowing up a caravan with a man in it down in County Wexford. Again, Jonathan Dowdall said this was all bravado. This is all, in his words, telling Jerry Hutch what he wanted to hear. He said he didn't know how to make bombs aside from what he had seen on television and the movies. And that's where he was drawing this knowledge from. He spoke about border control at um, one point this TV show. and I'm sure you're all familiar with, you know, customs at airports in Australia and all around the world. And he said this was kind of the inspiration for the conversation about bomb making. Okay. It uh, doesn't feel like it's going to finish up anytime soon. No, it doesn't. Yeah. No, no, no. It's it, whether Jonathan Dowdall's evidence finishes up before. Um, the Christmas break remains to be seen but what is absolutely certain at this point is that the trial as a whole will not finish before the end of the year the courts will break for a number of weeks over Christmas and when they come back Jonathan Daldol will either either continue his cross-examination remember the prosecution would be given an opportunity to question him a right of reply if they feel there's anything that he has said under cross-examination that needs to be further clarified we don't know if any more prosecution witnesses are going to be called, we don't know if the defence is going to call any witnesses, we don't know if Jerry Hutch is going to take the stand, under any obligation to do so. We also have closing speeches to come yet before the judges undoubtedly reserve their judgment and take some time to deliberate. So there's a long way to go yet, I think that's right. fair to say. Frank, great stuff. Brilliant reporting as ever. Thanks a million. OTB
1: AM With Gillette. Get into your flow with the new Gillette Labs Razor with Exfoliating Bar.